When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. <laughs> Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Ann Harding, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away, and will bring you back safely. Animals have been wandering into our quieter cities. Goats invading English villages. Flamingos flocking in Mumbai. So many of them, it seems as if they are having their own burning man. Here in Colorado, we have been seeing big cats and coyote playing in empty fields and yards, coming closer and closer to town. So I suppose I shouldn't have been too surprised, as I was riding my bike the other evening and saw a bear. Not too big of a bear, not too interested in me, not too close. It was walking at the edge of the tree line, lumbering perpendicular to the road, obviously on its way somewhere. I mentioned the strange incident to my partner and thought that was the end of the story. The first teller for this episode is Noah Baum. She is an award-winning storyteller, educator, and public speaker, performing internationally with diverse audiences ranging from the World Bank, universities, festivals, schools, and detention centers. Her stories draw from diverse cultures and personal experiences. They highlight our similarities, celebrate our differences, and encourage curiosity, awareness, and acceptance. This story is from her album, Far Away and Close to Home, and is the tale, Yankel and the Sabbath Fish. Everyone in the small Jewish shtetl, in the small Jewish town, knew Yankel. Why? Because there wasn't a poorer man in the whole town. Why, he was so poor that his family was hungry all week long, his children were barefoot in the coldest days of winter. But no matter how hungry his family was all week long, for the Sabbath, Yankel always would find the biggest, most extravagant fish to buy. And there was always a joyous celebration at his house with beggars invited from the street to join them for the Sabbath meal. And the merchants in the market would say, Yankel, what are you doing? With the money you're spending on one fish, you could feed your family all week long. He would smile and say, Ah, you may be right, my friend, but you tell me, what is the point in living all week long when you cannot receive the Sabbath with joy and generosity like the queen that she is? So that was Yanko. His family hungry all week long, but for the Sabbath, a joyous celebration. Not far from that small Jewish shtetl, there lived the landowner, the Paritz. His name was Sir Filtz, and he was as rich and as stingy as no one else. 
One night, Sir Filth had a very disturbing dream. He saw coins of gold and silver being sucked into a big black hole in the middle of the earth, and he heard a voice. A stranger shall inherit you before you die. He woke up with a start. <gasps> Someone will put their filthy hands on my possessions? Not as long as I live. And that day, he ordered new locks on all his cupboards and all his chests of treasures. He ordered new fences around his property and new guards to patrol at night and day. That night, Sir Filtz went to bed content. His possessions were under control. He pulled up the covers. He closed his eyes. But not five minutes went by before he sat up in bed. My barns. Somebody could be lurking at the barns. Must check. Must make sure. He jumped out of bed. He ran through the house, down through the meadows, all the way to the barns. But all was well. Nothing was touched. So he went back to bed, pulled up the covers, closed his eyes. But not five minutes went by before he was up in bed. <gasps> my porcelain dishes, my crystal cups. <laughs> must check, must make sure. He jumped out of bed, he ran through the house, he opened each and every cupboard, each and every drawer. All was well, nothing was touched. He went back to bed, pulled up the covers, closed his eyes. Not five minutes went by before he was up in bed. <gasps> my jewels. My silver, my gold, my diamonds, must check, must make sure. He jumped out of bed. He ran through the house. He opened each and every box and each and every treasure chest. All was there. Nothing was touched. He went back to bed, pulled up the covers, closed his eyes. <gasps> my barns, somebody could be at the barns, must check, must make sure. He ran to the barns. <gasps> my jewels, my things, my good things. Ran back to the house. <gasps> my porcelain dishes, my crystal cups, must check, must make sure. And in the morning, Sir Filtz was exhausted. <laughs> and after three such nights, he realized he can't go on like this. He must find a way to keep his possessions under control, to put them where he could keep an eye on them. And then he knew what to do. He sold everything. And with the money, he went to the capital city, to the biggest jewelry store, and he invested all his fortune in one humongous diamond. He had a special leather pouch made for that diamond, and he clutched it in his hand. And he went everywhere with that diamond clutched in his hand. He ate and he drank with a diamond clutched in his hand. He went to sleep with a diamond clutched in his hand. And he did not unclutch his hand. <laughs> But then there came a day in the middle of autumn when he was coming home from a meeting at one end of town. And to get to the other end, he had to cross the old wooden bridge that connected the two parts above the river. He got up on the bridge and he walked merrily. He was in a good mood. He came to the middle of the bridge and then, you may find this hard to believe, but this is the way the story goes. The minute he came to the middle of the bridge, a wind began to blow. Now, I don't just mean a wind. I mean a full-force gale wind. Dark clouds covered the face of the sun. The wind was howling and blowing stronger every minute. Waves were chopping up the water below on the old bridge. 
It began to creak and groan and sway from side to side. And Sir Filz began to panic. He wanted to run to one side, but he couldn't. He wanted to run to the other, but he couldn't. Oh, the wind was getting so strong he was going to fall into the water. He had to hold on for his life, and he held on with both hands on the rail. <sighs> and watched with horror as that pouch flew from his hand and disappeared in the stormy waters below. That same afternoon, Yankel, you remember Yankel? <laughs> Yankel was in the market with his wife, Leale, and one of the merchants came up to him and said, Yankel, my friend caught a fish that is so big, nobody wants to buy it. You're his only hope. Please come see it. Well, Yankel came, and when he saw that fish, he was pleased. He said, ah, now there's a fish fit to receive the Sabbath queen. His wife said, but Yankel, what are you doing? This is too big, and it's so extravagant and expensive. Who will finish it? Ah, Leale, he said, there are enough hungry people in the world to help us finish this fish. <laughs> but Yankel. But Yankel already paid for that fish. And he was walking up the market street, inviting every poor and hungry beggar to join them for the Sabbath feast. What could Lale do? He was crazy, but he was her husband. <laughs> she went into the kitchen with tears streaming down her cheeks. She took her big knife and she started the long and tedious work of cleaning that fish. She stood there and scraped off all those sticky scales. And then with that big knife, she slit open the fish's belly. And with both hands, she scooped out the biggest, most brilliant diamond she never even thought could exist. And at that very moment, the whole kitchen was filled with dazzling light. And when Yankel saw that, he smiled and said, Ah, you see, Lele, God does not forget the ones who receive the Sabbath with joy and generosity. And indeed, it was a joyous celebration at Yankel's house. All the beggars rejoiced in his good fortune. And after the Sabbath, they sold that diamond. And with the money, <laughs> Why, they lived in prosperity and happiness for the rest of their days. May we all be blessed with such good muzzle. <laughs> Today's fairy tale sponsor is Chicken Little's Helmets. It's a hard knock life for sure. But when things come down on your head, invest in one of Chicken Little's helmets. Made in all shapes and sizes, these helmets look like fancy wigs, dapper hats, or simply like an unusual fashion statement. They are made from the finest materials and undergo rigorous testing, with a number of materials being dropped on them. When the sky is falling or life requires a helmet, Chicken Little Helmets has your noggin covered. This episode is also brought to you by the Patreon supporter, Lori Willis, who has upped her monthly pledge. 
Did you know when Lori has a good idea, a light bulb will literally come on in her house? Which means her house is pretty bright all the time. She is also a generous supporter of storytelling, which is pretty cool. A big thank you to her and all the other patrons of the podcast. Be like Lori and become a patron for as little as $4 a month while getting some sweet perks and rewards. I thought that was the end, but like many stories, I was wrong. I took a bike ride a few days later and saw the bear again. This time it was heading in the opposite direction, moving a bit slower and with relaxed stride. I stopped to watch it and noticed some things that weren't there before. The bear was wearing a hat, a little lavender fascinator, sitting at a jaunty angle just behind one of its fuzzy ears. I looked a little closer and saw a bit of glitter shimmering on its nose. Then it turned towards the woods, and I laughed out loud. On its fuzzy backside to the right of its swinging tail was a brightly colored lollipop stuck to its fur. I don't know where that bear had been, but I hope I get an invite to the party next time. The second teller for this episode is Catherine Fairley. Catherine passed last year, but for 35 years, she traveled around the world gathering epics, myths, legends, histories, folk, and fairy tales. This is her telling the tale, Immortal Dumplings. If you were born as a snake with a mind, what would be your goal in life? The story of the white snake is very old and has many versions. It is still performed as a popular opera, as well as with shadow puppets in the movies and on TV. This is only the beginning. It was the third day of the third month in early spring, well over a thousand years ago. The day was so lovely by Hangzhou's West Lake that even old immortal Liu Dongbin decided to come down from his sacred cave just to join the fun. Old Liu dressed like a peddler and set up a stall under a great willow tree near Broken Bridge, which was not broken. Dumplings! Dumplings! Three big dumplings for one copper! One small dumpling for three coppers. Everyone surrounded the stall and laughed. Lao, lao, old man, don't you mean one small dumpling for one copper and one big dumpling for three coppers? <laughs> oh, no, no. Three big dumplings for one copper. One small dumpling for three coppers. So naturally, everyone bought all the big dumplings. A kind old apothecary, Dr. Shu, pushed his way through the crowd, carrying his little grandson on his shoulders. The boy was begging for a dumpling. Yeah, yeah, woya tang yuan. But all the big ones were sold. So the doctor had to fish out three coppers to buy the small dumpling that was left. Liu Dongbin ladled soup into a bowl, then put in the small dumpling. 
Holding the bowl down for the little boy, he started to blow on the dumpling. That little dumpling jumped up to the edge of the bowl and started rolling around the rim, around and around. The child was delighted. As he opened his mouth to laugh, zoop, the dumpling arched into his mouth and slipped right down into his stomach. For the next three days, the boy refused to eat. His grandfather was very alarmed, and he brought the boy back to Broken Bridge to complain to the dumpling seller. Old Liu Dongbin stroked his white beard, and he laughed. Oh, so you do not want the boy to have immortality? Very well. And before anyone knew what was happening, Liu picked the boy up by his feet and shook him upside down over the bridge, shouting, July, July, come out, come out. The little dumpling of immortality that had been swallowed three days earlier came popping out of the boy's mouth, as whole as when it went in. It fell over the bridge and rolled down, down, down into West Lake. And do you know who was living under Broken Bridge? Bai Sha, a great white snake. But this was not an ordinary snake. She had a mind and a goal. High up on sacred Ume Mountain, this white snake had practiced Taoist discipline for 500 years. Her goal was immortality, which might take many years more. She longed to live in the human world, whose beauty she had heard so much about. West Lake of Hangzhou was said to be paradise on earth. So stepping upon a white cloud, she sailed down to live under West Lake and continued her studies there. From beneath Broken Bridge over West Lake, Bai Sha, the white snake, often stretched her ivory head up to observe the human world. There were always people in boats, children playing, peddlers peddling, and lovers loving. The white snake longed to live as a human being and to experience love. To be able to change her shape, she knew she would have to obtain immortality. Then came a dumpling rolling off the bridge, and she sensed this extraordinary opportunity. She stretched out of the water, caught the dumpling, and swallowed it immediately. Our white snake was now able to transform herself into a lovely young woman and chose to call herself Lady White. Now you must know, every 3,000 years, the Queen Mother of Eastern Paradise invites immortals to her immortal peach party. As Bai Sha had just become an immortal, she was excited to attend this amazing gathering and humbly sat at the last seat on the banquet table. In came the heavenly maids, carrying plates of gorgeous red peaches of immortality. Everyone began to eat, and toast each other with heavenly wine. Then the Queen Mother herself came out to greet her guests. She saw Lady White for the first time and asked old immortal Liu Dongbin, Who is this young lady? Immortal Liu stroked his white beard while telling the whole story of selling an immortal dumpling at West Lake. The Queen Mother smiled her approval, and all welcomed Lady White. When the party was over, Lady White bowed to Immortal Liu and asked, 
Now that I can have a human form, I want to live in the human world. Kind sir, I would like to meet the little boy who spat out the dumpling. Oh, you think he is still a little boy? Your brief visit to paradise has lasted 18 years in the human world. That little boy is now a young man. Oh, how can I find him? He is still by Westlake. He will be the tallest and the shortest man you find there. This said, the old immortal stepped on his white cloud and brrrrum, floated off. Early the next morning, Lady White arose from Westlake like a white lotus, with perfect milky skin, wearing perfect white silk robes. She walked around the gardens, exploring, until she saw an old beggar with a delicate green snake dangling in his hand. Yeah, yeah, Grandpa, what are you going to do with that snake? I am going to take out its gallbladder and sell it. She took pity on the snake. Oh, yeah, yeah, I will buy that snake whole. Lady White paid a few coins and took the green snake to the lake, gently letting it loose in the water. A puff of green mist rose from the lake, and a young girl dressed in a green jacket and a green skirt stood there. Lady White was delighted. Little sister, what is your name? My name is Ching Ching, Greenie. Well, Greenie, I am looking for one who is the tallest and the shortest man here, and I could use some help solving that riddle. Both were happy to have met and went off arm in arm. Lady White told the story of how she achieved immortality to envious Greenie, who had also been studying to improve herself. Lady White wandered about, and Greeny followed her. Where are we going? Wherever our feet take us. <gasps> we have feet! There were crowds of people by Broken Bridge, which was not broken. Lady White and Greeny wandered on looking for the man who was the tallest and shortest. There was a puppeteer performing right under the giant willow tree by the bridge, and there was a crowd watching. Greeny looked up. Sister, there is the tallest and shortest man. She was pointing at a young man perched up in the willow to see over the heads of the crowd. But how is he the tallest and shortest? Well, look, he's sitting up in the tree and everyone's walking down below him. But his shadow is on the ground, so everyone is walking above him. Lady White looked. She was pleased. The tallest and shortest man turned out to be neither tall nor short, and he had a handsome, honest face. Oh, dear old immortal, that was a tricky riddle. But how to meet him? Ching Ching suggested, Make it rain, sister. And Lady White, broom conjured up a storm of clouds and a torrent of water fell. The puppeteer packed up and everyone ran for cover. The young man jumped down from the tree and ran to the shore of West Lake. All the sampan boats had been hired because of the rain, and the young man climbed in the last sampan. 
The two ladies were running, and Greeny shouted, Please wait! The young man poked his head out of the sampan and saw the ladies in the rain, wet as chickens in a pot of soup. He asked the boatman to pull over and held out his umbrella as they elegantly stepped onto the boat. Lady White seemed hesitant to talk, but Greeny was quite bold. She asked his name. Shushen. That's an unusual name. My family name is Shu. When I was a little boy, I met an immortal by broken bridge, and so my grandfather called me Shushan, Shu the Immortal. Well, it is so kind of you to allow us to share the sampan. Where do you live? Since my grandfather died, I have been all alone, so for the time being, I am staying with my sister and her family at Clearwave Gate. <gasps> what a coincidence! My sister and I are all alone, too, and we are staying at the bamboo grove just this side of the gate. How lucky we have met. Shushan blushed, and Lady White lowered her head. Then they arrived at the bamboo grove. Greeny noticed it had stopped raining and nudged Lady White to make it rain again. Shushan gallantly gave them his umbrella, and they went ashore. Greeny called, I am Ching Ching, and this is my big sister, Lady White. Don't forget to come tomorrow and get your umbrella back. We're in the red house in the bamboo grove. Bye-bye. Lady White whispered, What red house? Well, you can make one, can't you? The next day, after work, Shu rushed to his sister's house and changed into his best clothes a gray robe and a blue jacket with a cap of fur on his head. He did indeed look handsome. Shu wandered into the bamboo grove, and soon he saw a red bamboo porch with azaleas blooming in pots. Greeny ran out to meet him. Please come in, Master Shu. Lady White is brewing tea just for you. Greeny sat him down and got right to the point. Poor Lady White has no one but me. We are wandering about with no family. She has been singing your honorable praises all day. Since both you and my sister are alone in this world, you should get married this very day. I, I could imagine no woman finer than Lady White, but, but she could not consider me. I have no money. I have no house. I merely work for a humble apothecary, as did my father and grandfather. Well, that's perfect. Sister knows everything about finding herbs and roots that heal. Together you could open up your own apothecary. Shu's head was reeling. Lady White came in with the tea and little pastries. Lady White and Shu were so attracted it made them both quite shy. Greeny said, Sister, Master Shu is from a long line of apothecaries. I have suggested you two marry and open up your own shop. You two are ordained by heaven to be a pair. Oh, but, but I have no money. Lady White smiled. I have inherited all we will need. But, but I do not even have a bridal gift. Yes, you do, said Greeny, and she ran out and fetched the umbrella. Lady White nodded. 
it is a symbol of your kind heart. That very evening, in the bamboo grove, the immortal bride and her mortal groom bowed three times to each other, then sipped three cups of wine. Before all heaven and earth, the marriage was blessed. The three were quite happy together, and their apothecary became very popular. For a time. But as you know, a snake sheds its skin, and the snake tail moves on. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show the love. Find Noah Baum and Catherine Fairley on the internet. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. You can connect with the podcast on Facebook or Instagram at Story Story Podcast or me at Rachel Ann Harding. The beautiful brains behind the fairy tale sponsor was Lynn Ford. The inspiration for the true fairy tale was a story seed from Laura Packer. You can find her lovely story and writing prompts by looking her up on social media. You can see the fairy tale sponsor ads on the Story Story Podcast Instagram and Facebook page. While you're there, let me know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you'll hear them here soon. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. Consider becoming a patron or joining the mailing list to get podcast goodies or writing a review in Apple Podcasts, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the show. You will hear more stories next week. But until then, live happily ever after. Mary Kate opened up the door, and there on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court.